0: Ladies and gentlemen, Ali,
1: a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder for me.
2: Down goes Frazier! The heavyweight champion is taking the mandatory eight count, and Foreman is as poised as can be!
1: In the entertainment capital of the world. Right now he backs off from a sharp right uppercut to the body by Tyson. Again, a
2: double right hand to the body and the chin. Down goes Lorenzo Boyd. The count is five. The count is six. The count is eight. He will not get up. It's over. The TC Martin show. The man is dangerous. He's dangerous. He's crazy. crazy. And don't give a damn about nothing. That's true. He
1: says, Ah, ah, come at you.
0: (laughs) It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor.
1: Fighting out of the blue corner.
0: TC Martin. As he hit it with that
1: punch, I think his eyes went into separate orbits there. The doctor is now in.
2: Let's get along. How you like?
1: Number two on this basketball slash boxing Monday. Why? Oh, because not only did we have March Madness and we had the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, the West Regional Final on Thursday and Saturday, but we also had Fight Weekend in Vegas, and what a good one we saw Saturday night. David Benavidez defeats Caleb Plant. We'll talk about that with our good friend Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, because like me, Sam was at both even though Sam, I don't think he was there on on Saturday because he, you know, he's dedicated to his craft. He loves his sweet science. He was there for the seven hour undercard, uh, and you know, he's not as bougie as me. Where no, no, I'm going to stay as long as I possibly can. T-Mobile, and uh, you know, weave my way through traffic and uh, get to the MGM Grand Garden uh, right before the main event, which I did, and uh, very thoroughly entertaining it was on uh, on both. Actually, the fight was. Much better than the game that I saw on Saturday night as UConn blasted Gonzaga. No contest, 82 to 54 in the West Regional Final. And uh the Yukon Huskies cut down the nets there at T Mobile Arena and are off to Houston. So looking forward to seeing the Huskies again in person uh this coming weekend uh in Houston at NRG Stadium. But let's talk a little boxing and hoop with my man Sam Gordon. Sam, what's going on, brother? T.T.,
0: happy Monday. Appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, Coming off of a great, great weekend, a great week uh, in Las Vegas for sports and sports fans. No doubt about it.
1: No doubt. We'll get to the boxing here in a minute, Sam. And you did a fantastic job in your column today. Uh, I encourage everyone to read uh, his synopsis and recap, not only of David Benavidez's victory against Caleb Plant, but uh, talking about the next potential mega fight that should happen with oh. uh, David Benavides and we'll get to that in a minute but uh I did see uh Thursday night I know we saw ourselves a great game with a uh, Gonzaga and UCLA, Sam. But you know, when you look at uh, two of the three games that were there at T-Mobile Arena, it was really blowout fashion. And uh, the UConn Huskies were in two of those games as they obliterated Arkansas the night before, no contest. Uh, but uh, we did get a pretty good game with Gonzaga and UCLA. I want your take on on Thursday night, and then we'll move to Saturday.
0: Yeah, so you see, I mean Thursday night, um, what a showcase for the city. And for college basketball in Las Vegas. And I don't think there's a more fitting, I guess, poetic way of of ending the first ever day of regional tournament play, of NCAA tournament play in, in Las Vegas. And with Julian Strother, uh pulling up or not, not pulling up, taking a hand, getting a handoff or a pitch back from 30 feet, former Liberty High School star, all WCC pick uh, this season, first team, uh, and a projected uh, NBA draft pick uh, coming up here. In 2023, uh, he takes a pitch back and buries a 30 footer, uh, in front of a packed house, uh, to end a instant classic, another instant classic between UCLA, uh, and Gonzaga. So to me, the big picture was like, wow, like NCAA basketball, regional basketball, uh, here works in Las Vegas. It's about time, uh, long time coming. And if only Jer- Jerry Tarkanian was here to say, was here to see it. I know that, you know, Paul Gutierrez uh, at, on ESPN. Did an excellent piece kind of contextualizing what, uh, this week meant and kind of what it represented and how we got here as far as it pertains to having the NCAA tournament here in Las Vegas. And then that first night, um, definitely didn't disappoint. As you mentioned, the first game, you know, a little bit of a lapper and that's because of how good UConn is and nothing else as we saw Saturday. But overall, the atmosphere, the environment, you get a rivalry featuring two West Coast programs, you pack the stands and, and you, and it ends in, uh, in just as, about a, a romantic, of, uh, as romantic of a way as you can possibly think of, uh, it was a fun night. I think it was a magical night of basketball and, and just kind of a, uh, you know, a, a great introduction uh, to, to the masses about what the NCAA tournament can be now that it's here in Las Vegas, especially with the Final Four coming uh, on the horizon here.
1: And you know, Sam, we've seen a lot of great basketball in Las Vegas, specifically that building you know with the cbs sports classic that we get in december we've seen non-conference games we've seen you know duke and gonzaga and you know for me those games were electric they were exciting not that this wasn't because again this was hey a, a chance to go to the final four for these four teams that were here the games didn't live up to it but even the, even the crowd uh was great but it just for me uh, again, this is just my own opinion, it really didn't surpass the crowds and the excitement that we saw of those other games that I mentioned previously.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you there. I mean, I, the the one that comes to mind for me, to see that jumps out, is the uh, the Duke and Zaggy game. Mm-hmm. I believe it was in like November of 2021 at T-Mobile Arena. And uh, you had a, I mean, undefeated versus undefeated, top two picks in the eventual top two picks in the draft, Paulo Banc- uh, Pangaro and Chad Holmgren. That to me was, I would say the pinnacle, um, and the, you know, kind of the, the most exciting, at least I can personally remember the, the best, the most robust atmosphere, uh, that we've had here in Vegas for, for a, uh, for a college basketball game. But that in a way, I think is a precursor and just, you know, even though these games didn't necessarily quite, uh, live up to that or, or, or some of the other matchups that we have here in Las Vegas, uh, the fact that we got the Thursday night and the game was as competitive as it was, I think was, was a good showcase and, you know, ultimately, right? there, There is, I mean, it's, it's college basketball. There's an unpredictable nature. And unfortunately the game on Saturday, you know, from a viewership perspective, uh, wasn't as competitive, but, but again, that's just about how good UConn is playing at this type of time of year. And, and they, they came to play their best basketball that despite, uh, the, having some, some situations with their hotel rooms and, uh, and some, some, some gear being taken from a bus. So, uh they, they were able to, to, to rise to the occasion and and steal the show and uh and Arkansas certainly didn't come with them in that regard and, and Gonzaga after I think was was certainly an emotional Thursday night uh didn't quite have anything left to compete with, with Connecticut on Saturday. So I wasn't there Saturday, can't quite speak to the environment, but I know um that, that when the the two West Coast powerhouses were there Thursday night, there there was certainly a great atmosphere in the game, uh lived up to the part and that very reminiscent of, of previous games. Uh, that we've had here. It's been, a, it's been a long time coming, I think, building TC to the point where, where the NCAA tournament and, and, and officially NCAA-sanctioned games uh, are here considering the, uh, the, the history uh, of the city. But with the Final Four coming on the horizon, just all the momentum uh, the last few years, including with the regional tournament here on, on Thursday and Saturday is, is, I think, a boost to what uh, what the city can expect uh, in a couple of years here when the Final Four comes to Allegiant Stadium.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, and it was a, a very good atmosphere uh, Saturday night uh, for the final. The, the game, obviously, was one-sided with, which yeah, I think no one really anticipated, uh, you know, being a 28-point blowout win for UConn. Yeah. But uh, they were just, uh, you know, that much better. And then, you know, moving forward, Sam, you know, to UConn and Miami uh, coming up uh, in Houston. I mean, doesn't it seem like to you that, okay, and we get this just about, you know, almost every year we get a yep. dynamite semifinal and we're saying, oh man, you know, that is, is probably, you know, going to be a little bit of a letdown for Monday night, the championship game, because uh, you know, I think that everyone would probably rather see, um, UConn and Miami on Monday, instead of it being one of the two semifinals. Cause one of these teams is going to have to go home and then you've got the winner of Florida Atlantic and San Diego state going to be playing for a national title yeah yeah i think
0: it just kind of speaks to what we saw at college basketball as a whole this year t c with the transfer portal with n i l with alternatives now for top players where they don't have to come and play college basketball and can still uh be drafted as high prospects like with g league ignite and overtime elite it's It's just kind of created an environment where we had where we didn't have a, I guess a truly great team this year and where we do have you know, actual parody and lo and behold, you have, you know, three, three teams that have never uh, been been nearly this close to the precipice of, of the national championship. And then UConn uh, kind of the old grizzled veteran program that just keeps reinventing itself uh, with different coaches and, and still maintains the, you know, still maintains its reputation as uh, well, deserved reputation as a powerhouse uh, up in the big East. So it, it's different. It's it's certainly different, right? A uh, different kind of year um, and one, one, I think little stat that I saw, you know, flying around again, that's indicative of the parody this year is this is the first final four TC where you haven't had a McDonald's all American since the game had been introduced. I believe it was in the late seventies. So, uh, the, the, teams are constructed in a variety of different ways, you know, transfer portal now, is certainly a thing. And then, then again, veteran, uh, experienced teams with good guards tend to do well at this time of year. And that's one thing that all four of these teams, you know, got going on for uh, going on for them with their own respective ways. So not necessarily the traditional uh, kind of, you know, output that we set with, we have this year in the NCAA tournament, you don't have your powerhouse blue bloods, but somebody is going to, you know, somebody there, they're very well might be a, a new national championship or new national champion. I mean, three of the four teams would represent that. And if not, you have a UConn program with a tremendous story with Danny Hurley, uh, the son of the great Bob Hurley at St. Anthony uh, in New Jersey, the now defunct St. Anthony, uh, and his his esteemed uh, coaching career. So there's all kinds of storylines, all kinds of interesting angles, just maybe not the ones we thought we would see when it's when the season started.
1: Yeah, true. Uh, Sam Gordon joins us from the Las Vegas uh, Review Journal, talking a little Final Four and the uh, the West Regional Final. Uh, that took place on a Saturday. And, uh, just before we leave this, uh, topic, you know, we're talking about, you know, the great games that had been in that building, the non-conference, the, you know, the buildup. Uh, Sam, I don't think you were here, uh, but, uh, that, yeah, I think you're still in Minnesota, but, uh, that game in 2016, uh, still stands out for me is when Kentucky beat North Carolina 103 to 100. And that's the game Malik sure. Monk went for 47 points. That, yep. uh, that atmosphere was electric, uh, along with, uh, you know, that, uh, the uh, Gonzaga Duke game that we you saw as well too and yeah and then once we got to Gonzaga UCLA on that Thursday night it kind of had that same feeling as well too but uh you know yep. really in you know T-Mobile Arena it, it is a really good place for college basketball and i i think it i think it's good for just about everything it's you know for the big fights it's a, it's a great venue as well too but uh, I just, yeah, I, it's it's it's. We've seen a lot of great games, uh, you know, in that building for a short amount of time.
0: No, we certainly have, and 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 it's it's the, the, the that's not not a knock against any of the other arena spaces um, here in Las Vegas, right? And there's so many great arenas, and that's why at the beginning of the month, Las Vegas is able to play host to so many different college basketball tournaments and have a variety of non-conference um, non-conference games and, and, and different, just different matchups that we wouldn't normally see. But I, I'm with you, TC. The T-Mobile Arena, uh, obviously built with basketball, specifically with basketball yep. in mind, and that's reflected by just the setup, the sight lines, the whole nine makes for a hell of an experience uh, at T-Mobile Arena when, when big basketball games come to town.
1: All right, and uh, as old as the MGM Grand Garden is getting, it is still... Really, kind of the mecca for modern day boxing uh, here in Las Vegas, with so many great fights. You know, going back to all the the Floyd Mayweather fights, and even you know farther back with Oscar De La Hoya, and we've seen great heavyweight fights. I mean, the list goes on and on. And uh, we had a great card uh, on Saturday night where David Benavides defeated Caleb Plant. Uh, and I don't know if the crowd surprised you or not, but it was a sellout, over 13,000 in the house. But what a great atmosphere, uh, just from a crowd perspective, Sam, uh, for the Benavidez, uh plant uh, fight. And really, it was more of a pro Benavides crowd.
0: No question, TC. And I think the crowd reflected uh, the intensity of the buildup and, and the promotion, right? This, these are two fighters that have occupied the 168-pound division for quite some time now, uh, and there have been bad, bad blood brewing for several years. Just w- when you talk about two former champions, uh, there were talks at one point of unifying their titles. It didn't happen. Uh, and, and the trades of insults uh, throughout this, the, the last several years, uh, the build-up fights, you know, the rumored fight finally happened after after all this time, and, and it certainly delivered. And first and foremost, before we get to anything Saturday night, right, again, it's a credit to how hard the fighters and the respective teams, uh, Showtime, PBC, everybody involved, Worked with the promotion, right? There, there was a concerted effort uh, behind that. That everybody uh, was involved in. All the aforementioned parties were involved in in really promoting this fight and highlighting uh, the intensity uh, that this rivalry had, had developed the last five years. And and yeah, I, I, I'm not necessarily surprised at how many people showed up, TC. But that was an early arriving crowd. And normally, a lot of these big fight nights, you know, you, you see the crowd really start to, to grow. I would say during the co-feature, uh, right? Usually four fights on a, on a, on a given pay-per-view. Usually during the co-feature is when I've noticed that at my time covering boxing here in in Las Vegas is when the crowd really starts to fill out. But this was a crowd that was, you know, pretty, pretty well, an arena pretty well filled by the time the pay-per-view started and only got, uh, more intense and bigger and bigger, uh, as we, as we move more towards the main event and, and definitely a, a pro Benavidez. Um, crowd—a a, a, an energetic crowd that was uh, intense and, and alive uh, throughout the course of the twelve rounds, and, and, and it was again a, a brilliant fight uh, between two different stylistically um, diametrically opposed fighters. Benavidez bringing pressure uh, with his power and his ability to fight on the inside, and you know, power jab, and uh, just the, the the flurries that he was able to throw. And then Caleb Plan, who I thought boxed the first five or six rounds brilliantly, uh, using his jab. Uh, circling, changing levels, mixing up Benavides at first, but Benavides of course, eventually settled in and got those thirteen thousand that he was uh, that were there to see him. He, you know, got them rallied uh, with a, I thought, just a dominant, dominant second half of the fight in which he was able to break Caleb Plant down uh, and really, um, really impose his will physically. Uh, the last six rounds, landing a lot of shots from a variety of distances, but mostly operating uh, from the inside. So. It's uh, a credit to Plant that that he was able to stay upright for the for the twelve rounds, and you know Kenny Bayless, certainly the referee Kenny Bayless, I think allowed a little too much holding, um, but but that's it's it's that's not Caleb Plant's fault. He did what he had to do. He stayed on his feet and, and gave everything he had. I thought in a really spirited performance. Uh, the two fighters able to kind of bury the hatchet uh, afterwards and exchange respects. And then even though Caleb Plant uh, was on the losing end uh, of that fight, I think again earned a lot of respect. Uh, from the crowd in place who witnessed him, uh, you know, battle with 12 rounds for David Benavides and, and, and a star making kind of performance for David Benavides who needed that signature win, uh, at 168 pounds to really kind of cement his superstardom. He's got all the qualities, you know, the fighting style. He's incredibly charismatic. Uh, and there's no doubt that he wants to fight the best of the best. So he, he put it all together on Saturday night and it was a, I think, a special atmosphere, a great environment and an excellent showcase uh, of boxing that happened to bring out some of the very best. Uh, in the sport as well, so an absolutely great, great atmosphere, and David Benavidez delivers a again, I thought, I thought a star-making performance on Saturday night at the MGM Grand.
1: Benavides uh, wins the fight on uh, all three judges scorecards 117-111, 116-112, 115-113. And I know there were some on media row there uh Sam that thought that uh you know this fight was a lot closer than the final four uh, scorecards. I had it 116-112 and so I think that a very um, fair score, but you know yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, got confused and they saw the slow start by Benavides and then you know started, you know, banking rounds early on for for Kay Caleb. Caleb Plant. Not all the judges really saw it that way, but you know this was a tale of two different fights. In the beginning, Benavides was slow, uh, but the final seven rounds, he just punished Caleb Plant and uh, did whatever he wanted to do. And you're right, Plant gets a lot of credit uh, for not wilting down, never going down because he could have with some of those body shots, some of those hooks, uh, you know, uh, to the head, uh, just. you know it was an amazing fight. It really was my question to you was, were you concerned a little bit the way Benavidez started the fight and the the follow up or part of the of of your answer address on was there maybe maybe a weight issue or a nutrition issue or something like that because again, he started off very, very slowly
0: oh um, I think t c it was just the case of one Caleb plant you know came with the right the right strategy right, which was a little bit of early pressure you know, and and then found his rhythm as a boxer. And let's not forget, Caleb Plant uh, has been in a big fight before. He's Fawconello Alvarez in that exact same arena in front of a, I think, more, uh, you know, more excitable crowd, certainly a bigger crowd in a more consequential fight. So I think it just took a little bit. It seemed like he was fighting a little emotionally. And and Caleb Plant, um, you know, was able to disrupt his rhythm by the way he was changing levels Uh, And controlling the distance, but it 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 was only a matter of time, TC. And that was you know the fight kind of played out how I thought it would because Benavidez, you know, because of his power and his pressure, you have to overcome that for twelve rounds, you know. And that's that is a you know certainly a strong, uh, punishing fighter to to have to deal with for that long. And it was once he once he realized and kind of settled in. Um, Emotion in the fight and realize that look, his jab is is one of his best weapons. We we, you know, we talk about the power shots, but I really found that he started to have success. Tc once he started to incorporate his jab and close the distance that way, and then he was able to to kind of do what he wanted uh, and 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 impose his will and showcase the I think diverse uh, offensive arsenal that he has. Again, especially from the inside, he can box too from the outside and use that jab, and you know has power from the outside when he's at range, but. Uh, that the fight was ugly and and it required him to win ugly at times on the inside with all the holding, uh, that plant was doing. And, uh, and and he prevailed. So I wasn't, you know, certainly plant, plant won rounds and was, was game and was competitive, uh, and was competitive well into the fight. But you, you saw a moment where the tape, where the tights kind of turned their midway through the fight. and, And, and once David Benavidez asserted himself, uh, you knew with the power that he packed that it, it really didn't feel like it was going to go the other way at that point.
1: Benavidez, 27-0. He improves to 23 knockouts. Did not get the knockout, but got the unanimous decision Saturday night over Caleb Plant. So now... You look ahead, and what is next? I think everybody wants to see Canelo Alvarez, and you wrote about that in your column this morning in the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Sam. But Canelo uh, will be fighting his traditional Cinco de Mayo fight, except it's going to be uh, in his native land uh, in Mexico against John Ryder, who's a Brit, and uh, not many people yep. heard of. And I know a lot of people say, well, why is he fighting him? Well, Canelo's coming off a hand injury. He's coming off, a, you remember, that loss to Dimitri Bival as well, too. So he kind of wants a little a little get-back. Fight here, um, and Canelo hasn't really said anything that I've heard uh, about Benavidez. I know that Benavidez mm-hmm. is now clamoring for that, and deservedly so. But it seems like Canelo really wants to revenge that loss that he took to Bival at the light heavyweight uh, division. That's when they when they fought last year. But you know, Canelo would like that fight. You know, at one sixty eight or so. Um, talk a little bit about from Canelo's perspective about what we expect to see from him and is there any reason that a Canelo Alvarez David Benavides fight does not happen?
0: Well, first and foremost, DC, um it's the fight. It's it's the fight in boxing right now. I think we're getting one of the marquee fights uh coming up on April twenty second, Tank Davis, and Ryan Garcia, which is a fantastic matchup between two young uh superstars of the sport, each with the kind of the, the opportunity to maybe, you know, clinch that next piece of superstardom as, as canelo alvarez you know is into his early 30s now but but if you talk about commercially viable matchup you know pay-per-view upside uh bringing out doing a tremendous gate bringing out a big crowd it's canelo alvarez and, and david benavides and as you mentioned i made that i made the case for that in my column in the las vegas review journal um, this morning. it's it Look, Canelo is a 168-pounder. He's the undisputed champion at 168 pounds. David Benavidez has earned his mandatory positioning uh, as the WBC interim champion who just defended his title again, so he's been waiting uh, in line for a while. He's a two-time former champion. He's 26 years old. Stylistically, I think he's a much better matchup, actually, for Canelo than, than Dimitri Vivo, as we saw what b did to Canelo last May and the trouble that he had with his foot and hand speed and his, you know, the pace that Dimitri Bivol you know, brought it. I mean, I certainly didn't see anything against in the triple G fight, uh, the trilogy fight in September from Canelo. That made me think that we'd be into seeing a different result. And plus, I would, I would contend that there was an evergreen quality or an evergreen element um, to that fight. Both guys, both Dimitri Vivo and Canelo Alvarez, are 32 uh, years old, and, and, and that fight makes sense You know, in 2024, 2025, uh, and potentially beyond. There's always kind of space for that rematch because there's an understanding there that Canelo went up to 175 pounds, went a little bit beyond his depth, and there's absolutely no shame uh, in, in that loss. So understandable why he wants to get that one back, and why he wants to avenge that defeat. But right now, the iron's hot. And in in Canelo's division, he has a worthy challenger that has earned that challenge. Of course, both fighters share Mexican lineage. We know about the rich tradition, uh, the rich history between matchups between new two Mexican fighters. And this one uh, would feature, too, that Canelo Alvarez, again, the face of the sport, the star of the sport, and David Benavidez, you saw that crowd uh, the other night. And that was, you know, a pay-per-view fight as well with the charisma that he has, with the fan base that he's cultivated uh, and with the stakes of that showdown, when you talk about the difference, the styles, uh, the, 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 the both offensive oriented fighters, but with very different methods of, of unleashing their offense, it's the best matchup. Uh, in, in It's the best perspective matchup uh, in boxing. And if anything, TC from Canelo's perspective, Benavidez is only going to get more experience and get more seasoned and get better, right? He's 26 years old. He's theoretically an ascending fighter, where Canelo is now 32. He had that incredible run that helped propel him to becoming undisputed middleweight, uh, super middleweight champion. But, uh, you know, he's been in the game for a long time now. He's fought 60-plus times uh, as a pro, and he's not getting any younger. So doesn't this make the most sense from a timing standpoint, where Canelo uh, still has, uh some advantages being the experience, the ring IQ piece. I think that's where he has Benavidez B be right now. So for, from Canelo's standpoint, I think that's why it, it makes the most sense right now. Now again, he has commented he'd be, you know been on the record uh, with different outlets that he wants the B Ball rematch and, and we'll see if that is indeed kind of the next step. But I think you got to strike while the while the iron's hot. Uh, Benavidez proved himself. Uh, they they both share a victory over Caleb Plant. Both equally dominant uh, in very different ways, but both very impressive victories over a very game uh, former champion uh, in, in Caleb Plant. And I also th- th- I think TC that Canelo as the steward of you know the face of the sport, uh, he's yet we've yet to see him give a, a younger fighter an opportunity. And, and and I think that you know not only is it a prime opportunity for him to protect his status as the face of the sport and protect his crown at 168 pounds the division where we've seen him at his best. But, but regardless of what happens from Benavidez's perspective, a fight with Alvarez could be star making and help carry the next generation uh, of the sport that Benavidez is certainly a part of. So the, the, the matchup makes all the sense of the world right now, provided that Canelo gets by John Ryder in May. He's, I think he's earned that homecoming fight. He's earned a softer touch with the resume that he has, the gauntlet that he's, you know, kind of gone through since you know, really the last decade or so since he fought Floyd Mayweather, uh, and not, no disrespect to John Ryder, but he's, but he's never been a champion and he's lost to multiple fighters that Canelo Alvarez beat impressively. So this is a fight, you know, again, a well deserved homecoming celebration in some, so many ways for the career of Canelo Alvarez, but we've heard what he talks about, the challenges he wants to conquer, uh, the ambitions that he has. Uh, I think his resume is going to be incomplete without a matchup against David Benavides, and there's no better time, TC, than September, uh, you know, Mexican Independence Day uh, weekend. It would be a massive promotion, and I think they could do serious pay-per-view numbers, over a million, and, and pack Allegiant Stadium as well when you talk about the respective fan bases that they both have and the respective turnouts they both garner,
1: It is a very interesting decision for Canelo Alvarez, if he, like you said, you know, decides to, Hey, let's, let's go with David Benavides now from, from Canelo's mindset. Like, Hey, this guy's young. Maybe I don't want yeah. him another year or two, you know, and again, talking about striking where the iron's hot because David Benavides, even though he, he was a great fighter, Sam, and he came in here, you know, uh, with, you know, 26 and 0, 23 of those by, by knockout. I mean, he still was not a, a household name for a lot of people. Right. Uh, yep. And we know that Canelo just before this fight had talked about Bivol, 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 you know, because again, that has really irritated him that he did was not at his best. And basically, you know, he, he got outboxed. I mean, it wasn't yep. that the Canelo didn't show up. He just got outboxed. Now, did he take Bivol maybe lightly? Yeah. Yeah. You can maybe make that, but you know. Canelo's a competitor. He wants to erase that from, you know, uh his bio and his resume. There, he wants to get Bivol back. But then, you know, the big question mark is: okay, at what weight? I think Canelo would be foolish to say, "Okay, I'm going to come back and fight you at 175 again." Canelo should just stick at 168. And if Bivol doesn't want to come down, or they don't get a catch weight at 170, 171, or whatever, then maybe you move on. But you know Canelo, how he is. He wants to redeem himself, and then maybe put that you know, behind them. So that's why it's interesting. And then to yep. your point, we're saying the same thing. This fight with Benavidez and Canelo yeah. is the biggest fight in boxing. It could be a mega fight. It could be a blockbuster. There's nothing yep. close in my opinion, Sam, that's even on the horizon. Okay. Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. I mean, they, they, this pipe dream keeps going on and on again, but for both fighters that are relevant, both fighters yep. are at the peak of their game. There is nothing close. Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis—that's another thing, but it's not Canelo Alvarez and David Benavides.
0: No, it's—it's it's certainly not. It's not, and the, you know, Canelo again being the face of the sport with the sport's biggest um, fan base, and then again, Benavides, TCU, I think, uh, approved to be an emerging star. He—he he, yep. so he again he has all. Uh, the tangibles in terms of what he brings in the ring, the power, the hand speed, the willingness to engage, to trade, to make entertaining fights, and to take on the best challenges. And then the intangibles as well. When you talk about, uh, his charisma and the bravado that he has showcased in route to the superstardom, um, has a compelling journey to, to, to where he's at now. He's got one of the boxing's best nicknames, the Mexican Monster, uh, bestowed upon him by Mike Tyson and can be you a know, fight with Canelo. Again, both who share Mexican heritage. Uh, it, it would just, the, the magnitude of the event w- would be just massive. So I, I don't think from a commercial standpoint, TC, I just don't think the the, the, the appeal um, for a rematch with people is there. I, I completely understand Canelo Alvarez wanting to get that one back. It's what makes him, that mentality is what makes him the great fighter uh, that he is now. But I mean, if Canelo, the the, the alternative TC is if Canelo fights David Benavidez and and beats him impressively, like who even remembers the 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 the, the bebo loss right It would be canelo right. asserting himself in his weight class uh, against somebody that's considered next up that's considered a ascending star that is considered a, a real threat to his one hundred and sixty eight pound crown so you know as as being who he is, he's going to have options, and we 're going to find out which route he's going to go. It would seem that that the bebo fight is going to happen in September and that the Benavides uh, matchup would likely have to wait, but my concern is if he loses the people, you would think he would want to take another comeback fight or a softer uh, touch again to, to build a little bit of momentum for a prospective fight with Benavidez. And I don't think anybody wants to wait until September, you know, 2024 or May or 2025 or something like that. I do think knowing Canelo Alvarez, he hasn't ducked. I mean, anybody, his resume. Uh, speaks for itself, but the timing aspect of it is what makes this thing so interesting. I do expect, that you know, I do think you'll have to reckon reckon with David Benavidez at some point, but uh, for both fighters, for a number of reasons, it makes all the sense in the world that happened in September. Uh, and it's the fight that I think boxing, you know, boxing fans certainly won and, and that I want to see. I don't want to see any matchup, you know, more than that. I saw people and Canelo Alvarez, right? You saw that, TC. You saw what that would look, what that looked like. The intrigue that Canelo and Benavidez bring to the table, uh, with their respective styles, with their, with their offense, with the power that they both bring, uh, with their big, massive fan bases that they both have. Uh, it would certainly be a, be a, a massive, massive blockbuster event. A, I think a pay-per-view dynamo. And again, potentially a fight where you could put, you know, fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 people uh, in, in a Legion Stadium. That's the kind of drawing power Canelo has and with, with Benavidez and the stakes and the situation and the matchup and the magnitude uh, that would be amplified as well. So, you know, we'll see. It, it's going to be a, a fascinating, uh, you know, curious to see. We're gonna, we first have to wait and see how Canelo looks. Uh, in May against John Ryder, if, if we're expecting him to be impressive, then he'll have a number of options, including B. But Benavidez is the fight that that fight fans want. It's the fight that I want to see. I think it's the fight you want to see. Uh, it's a fight so many people want to see and, and, and a, a, a prime opportunity, uh, for, for, you know, David Benavidez to, to, to clinch his superstar status and earn the shot that he's deserved. And for, for Canelo Alvarez to, to, to let, you know, let the public know that he's still here in the King. So, uh, wouldn't be shocked if we don't see it next, but certainly hope that we do.
1: And it's what boxing really needs, because as we know, we've been kind of void, especially here in Vegas, the fight capital of the world, of having major fights lately. We haven't really seen them. Now we're starting to get some. So that would really kind of be the cherry on top that would continue this and kind of get us back to where we were, you know, pre-pandemic. I agree with you, Sam. But the one interesting thing that you said there, I mean, and I know you said in your article as well, too, is that you're thinking Allegiant Stadium. I, I, do you think that you could really, we have not seen boxing at Allegiant Stadium. We've seen all kinds of events at Allegiant Stadium, but we have not seen boxing. I think, you know, that Bob Arum had talked about that he wanted to do, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, Tyson Fury, you know, in there, but do you want to risk that maybe you only get 20, 25, and and even if you got 25 or 30,000, it would kind of seem a a little bit, uh, you know, uh, empty there. I mean, if you're going to go to a stadium, you want to make sure that you have 50 to 60,000. Do you really think that that fight could bring that? Uh, Yeah,
0: I do, TC. I mean, we saw 70,000 in Dallas for Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders. And, you know, Canelo Alvarez, regardless of the opponent when he fights in Vegas, right? Like, Dimitri Bivol didn't have this big profile, and he put twenty thousand in T-Mobile Arena, or eighteen thousand, and you know David Benavidez just helped put thirteen grand in yeah. the MGM Grand Garden. The fight between the two, uh, the, the 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 interest again, the cultural interest, given that the, they both share uh, Mexican lineage and the significance of of the historical significance of the implications between you know showdowns with two uh, elite Mexican fighters. I think it would all drive an absolutely massive promotion. Now, there's a reason we haven't seen a fight yet at a fight yet at, um, at, um, Allegiant. Allegiant Stadium. And obviously, there's going to be hurdles that need to be cleared. Uh, and I'm not saying that that fight would happen there or is going to happen there if it does happen. I just think from a commercial perspective, if there is a fight that could happen there or that makes sense for Allegiant Stadium, uh, that would be it. That would be it. So, uh, at some point, at TC, I do think we'll get something there. It's just, it's just a matter of which fight it will be and, and what, what, you know, what bigger matchup than um, a matchup between those two guys at this stage of their respective careers uh to christen I think the the brand new uh the brand new football facility yeah. here in las vegas so uh, a lot a lot of hoops need to be cleared before that happens, but I certainly think that uh given just kind of the nature of that I think that promotion would take on that it you could get you can do fifty or fifty five thousand with those two guys for sure.
1: I hope we get that fight uh Canelo and Benavidez sooner than later no doubt sam uh great stuff uh, again uh, read sam 's Column today uh, regarding the fight on Saturday night, the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal dot uh, com. Uh, great stuff too, Sam. During the course of the week, uh, with your, um, in, you know your your interview and your column on uh, Julian Strother. Great stuff there, and uh, in your round by round coverage as well too. Uh, Sam's always a great follow for for boxing uh, with his round by round stuff on Twitter as well too. Appreciate you, brother, and uh, we will talk to you very very soon.
0: All right. Thanks, TC. Appreciate you having me on. Talk soon. Take care.
1: There it is, Sam Gordon. All right. We come back. Uh We'll talk a little bit more about the Final Four in Houston and uh, put a wrap on this Monday edition. Very, very busy weekend, and we turn our attention to a very intriguing, surprising, yet shocking Final Four.
2: This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. Really? We went here. Taylor Swift, we were talking about selling out a
1: legion. Uh (laughs) So, you know the Canadians were in town. They're probably listening today, so we'll give them a shout out. Um, The Canadians came to town last week to see Taylor Swift. You should have told me that. I should have told you? You know why? Why? I would have came
2: back with something completely different. Like, a, oh, yeah? Oh, yay? No. Hey. Like, what? This is uh, Miss Saskatchewan. Oh, no,
1: no, no. no. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 no. Saskatchewan that uh, Saskatchewan. She didn't go. But uh, so Christy with a C and Cat with a K went. Our longtime loyal listeners uh, came to Las Vegas specifically to go see Taylor Swift. Of course they now, did. Now, Tay-Tay. Cat with a K was at the game at the regional semifinals. Thursday night. Uh, Did not have her UCLA Bruin shirt on with Double B. She had a a Tay-Tay shirt on. Yeah. But uh, Christy with a C was all decked out the next day, ready for Taylor Swift. And Christy with a C has some issues. She was dressed as Taylor Swift. I... From what I heard from Double B was the fingernails were painted of different Taylor Swift albums. Nice. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, there is Fandemonium going to the unteeth degree, and then there's Nutso. Yeah. Isn't that more Nutso? That's a little more Nutso. I mean, I don't want to give away her age, but she's not young as far as she's not in her 20s or anything. But you dressing up as Taylor Swift you... To go to a concert But it's Tay-Tay What does that mean, Tay-Tay? It's Tay-Tay Tay-Tay oh, is Tay Adams What are you talking about? Everybody
2: loves Tay-Tay
1: Tay-Adams That's what that is No, it's not Tay-Adams Oh, yes Yes, Taylor Swift Was it two nights, right? Friday, Saturday?
2: Yes Friday, Saturday, Saturday You know anybody that went? No, not one
1: person Oh, I know several people that went And unbelievable uh, Again, that's this, okay I mean you, you like Taylor Swift you like the, the music okay fine but don't be dressing up does this sound like me not at all okay, okay. not at all so I hope those fans that went uh, had a good time and uh, Canadians are, are heading back to Canada now after a weekend of basketball and concerts there you have it crazy stuff man so uh, what did you do this morning what I do this morning what do you do this morning? What's well, funny you ask? do you ask because I look like I'm like moving a little bit slow today you're, or?
2: you're looking a little sore and a well, little I like... am a
1: little sore It's funny you bring that up because uh, but I feel good. I feel good because so it's, it's that I'm good James sore. Brown I feel good but it's a good sore It's a good sore okay okay and uh, I did a workout today. Now it wasn't a a, a gym workout okay you know how I am. Um, I dominated this morning. I dominated weeds.
2: Oh, I
1: Yeah. I dominated the weeds and you know, I got, I told you before we got the weed police in my homeowner associate, all that stuff. They they drive me nuts. Right. So I went and and did like the front yard. All right. The other day. Okay. But now I had to do the backyard and it's like, well, no one's going to see in the backyard. Well, I see in the backyard. Yeah. I don't want it. And it, it got out of hand. So I had to take a deep breath and I said, you know what? I, I'm not gonna do it all in one day. I'm gonna do it this morning. So I got up early this morning, about seven o'clock. Felt like a boxer. I, you know, put on my sweats, had my hoodie on, whatever. And I now, as we know, desert landscaping. Yeah. I got rocks. I got nothing but rocks. There's nothing worse than doing weeds in rocks. In rocks. Yep. All right. So I'd put gloves on. Last couple times i did this, i to cut my hands, all that stuff. So I would just You know, I I really got to pump myself up for this, you know? And, you know, the back was starting to give me some pain, that sort of thing. I did not sit down nunchuck. I was like a boxer with 12 rounds. I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to sit down in between rounds. There is no halftime with me doing the weeds. I'm going to just push myself and go. I felt like a boxer today. Felt like James Brown, JB. And I was, I said, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. I'm going to. I could pass out here. I could collapse. No one would probably ever know.
2: No, they wouldn't see but, over the weeds. Yeah, that's
1: true. But I put I pushed through it. And I had to throw some pomegranates over over the wall because I damn pomegranate tree from the neighbors coming in again. So it's like pull, 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 pomegranate, throw it over.
2: You know what I'm saying? Why don't you just I, take the pomegranate and eat it? It's it's
1: it's not fresh It's like It's like Birds when, I mean it's old Okay You know what I'm saying It's like disgusting
2: I was gonna say If, it, if it's fresh
1: I hate some- weeds Okay I think I liked Snow plowing Better in Green Bay Oh by the way I got the report Green Bay Over the weekend 12 inches of snow <laughs> Saturday night all. Not bad at all <laughs> in, in In the end of March That's That's Green Bay for it So anyway yeah I dominated the weeds Today Out of the rock beds dominated feel good but i am a little sore today
2: i was gonna say you but i feel good you're looking at like ugh, yeah I, I see it all the time
1: oh yeah. i feel good yes all right what else you want to know anything else Fine. i mean since you're on you're, you're asking let, me what i did this morning We'll else you want let, to let's just ask
2: some dumb questions here okay yeah uh hat size hat size hat size
1: like, if you go get a
2: fitted hat, is it like oh. seven
1: or three four? You know, I got my Astros hat in the car. Uh, that, and that was like, uh, man, seven and a quarter, I think. Seven and a quarter. Seven and a quarter. Okay. Seven, that sounds seven. about right. Yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. How about ring size? <laughs> ring
2: size.
1: <laughs> I see where you're going with this now. I, I'm just trying to, like, I I, see where I'm, you're going I'm
2: asking dumb questions. We're, we're, this is get to know TC for the next 15. Uh,
1: oh. Okay. Um, You're trying to be funny here is what you're trying to do. Okay. Um, How do I put this? Um, I know what my ring size is. You do? I know what my ring size is. Okay. I got sized the other day. Sweet. I'm a 10. You're a 10. Yeah. Now, I went to ring, ring size because I was asked to get my ring size. And so I've never gotten sized that I can remember before. Um sure I did, but um I went to the guy and just pick a random jeweler to get sized for a ring. And uh guy was like shoving these things on me and he goes, Oh, oh your hands are kinda big, you know. I was like nine, nah, nah ah, got stuck, you know, uh nine and a half, ah it got it got stuck, ten, pretty good. So Really didn't trust the guy because it was one of those kiosks like in a mall. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know if I could I, I could trust that because I, I was looking for a jeweler. I made the mistake and I see and like, I'm not sure where jeweler is because I don't spend a lot of time in jewelry. I'm not a big bling guy. You know that. All right. Didn't win any, any boxing championships. Okay. So uh, not a lot of bling. But anyway, uh, I didn't know if I should trust the guy or not. So I kind of sly, then he goes, okay, now you ready to buy the ring? And I go, "Well, no, I, no, I just, not a chance." Yeah, buddy. not not a chance. So, but he gave me the card, so I kind of slyly kept walking down the mall and I said, "Oh, there's a real jeweler." So I went in the real jeweler and I had to like do a double take look behind me uh to see uh if that guy was watching me cuz you know, that wouldn't be a good look. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I ducked in and then I got a female this time.
2: Love that you're like yeah, ducking into jewelry yeah. because of a kiosk. Yeah, right. Don't care. Just walk just, in. Well,
1: I know. I mean. I know, I know. I know. I know. I know. Well, I mean, I feel like you're going to get a ring size. These guys want you to spend money and all that kind of thing. So anyway, so I go in and then I said, hey, can I get size for a ring? And uh, the the lady said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. But then she couldn't, like, figure it out. I, get, I thought she was experienced. But, you know, she said, oh, we don't have any that big. And then all of a sudden, she found the ring sizer thing and put it on, and she confirmed a ten. She confirmed a ten. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. So I know you're want to know why. I do. Okay. I'm getting fitted for a ring. Oh, I, I I was thinking that people have asked on the show, uh, not only on the show, but just in where wherever I go. Uh are you going to be getting a Las Vegas Aces championship ring and the answer is yes. Yes. So I was is. asked I was asked by the Aces to uh, get uh, my ring size and then I delivered that to them and there you go. Very nice. So there you go. So I will be sporting it on opening night. For I was going to say for sure. Maybe Maybe, but after that, am I going to just walk around with that? I don't think so.
2: I think you'll wear it like one or two times. I'm not Jay here. Schrader.
1: I'm not going to sit here and just yeah. You know, hey, look at me, you know. So, but uh from what I understand, uh, they're they're going to be nice, be cool. So, uh looking forward to that.
2: Is Mister Brady going to have any input in this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> as he, you like to say, my new boss, your as, new boss, yeah, as you like to say. Because
2: I mean, you know, he does have.
1: A bunch of rings. He's he's an authority he, on that yeah. ring. Well, this was before he actually, you know, yeah. became official as part owner of the Las Vegas Aces. So, there you go. But, um, yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, I'm not saying that I was expecting this because I've never talked about this. But, you know, a lot of people just assumed that, you know, okay. in you know, because everyone in the organization is going to get one. So, uh, very happy... Proud, uh, beautiful gesture uh, by the Aces. No question about it. I want to thank TJ Reeves for joining us uh, today. Uh, Sam Gordon, we're recapping the West Regional Final as well as the uh, Benavidez plant fight. uh, Good time on Saturday night. And then, of course, our good friend Matt Holt. From U.S. Integrity, talking about the betting side of things. Yes, very mixed bag for the sports books, and we'll talk to uh, Chuck Esposito this week, and uh, John Murray and Jay Cornegay as well too. As uh, there's some big wagers that were cashed out. That $500 ticket at the Westgate on Florida Atlantic, a 400 to one shot to win the region, and they won. And uh, does anybody have a ticket? on Florida Atlantic at 2,500 to 1. Unbelievable. Craziness, right? Yeah, they paid over 200 grand for uh, that ticket. Alright? San Diego State, are they going to go to the championship game? How crazy would that be? A team out of the Mountain West makes it to the Final Four because remember, UNLV was not a member of the Mountain West when they, won, when they won it all way back when. But yeah, San Diego State to the Mountain West. All the ripping that, including myself, have given the Mountain West teams, they have a great opportunity to be in the championship game because they're going to face Florida Atlantic in the first semifinal on Saturday at Houston. And the second game is going to be fantastic with UConn and Miami. All right, if you missed any part of the show, go to the website, check it all out. Uh, Everything updated there, the current interview page, the classic interview page, check it all out. Check out our preview of the Final Four. Coming up there in Houston, and uh, looking forward to being there this weekend. We'll continue with uh, the strong lineup that we got uh, coming up uh, this week as well. So uh, again, our famed broadcasters, as well as former players and coaches, uh, join us this week as we talk a lot of Final Four. Plus, guess what Thursday is? Opening day, Major yeah. League Baseball, baby! Thurs- speaking Thursday, of rings, Thursday. speaking of rings, guess guess who's getting their rings Thursday? Yeah, the Houston Astros. Dusty Baker getting his ring. Hey, we can compare rings now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was reminded, though, that this will not compare to Chris Basio's ring, who has 108 diamonds in it. It's beautiful. For the 108 years. I put that on my on my head once before with Basio. like, whoa, I wouldn't mind just walk keep walking with this thing.
2: I've got a championship hat. Yeah. I might need a championship ring. <laughs> if I ever meet Basio, he better not be wearing it. <laughs> So, this is the only way I can handle Taylor Swift. This is Taylor Swift. This is Taylor Swift. Yeah,
1: kind of. She's kind of, sort of. I got you. All right, hope everyone had a great time at the concert. We will reconvene tomorrow. Terrible Tuesday, of course, tomorrow. Plus a whole lot more. Another jam-packed show. Miss any part of the show? Go get it all at tcmartinshow.com.